What's up everyone and welcome to episode 49 of the Justin Insight podcast. We're nearly at the big 5-0 so thank you for sticking with us for so long. Um, hope everyone is well. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I'm a writer, I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, right, straight off the bat I'm going to apologise if you hear me coughing. Um haven't quite completely shaken this cold that's kind of hindered me for the last couple of weeks but it's getting there you might hear my voice is still a little bit gravelly um but in this conversation with this week's guest i do cough and splutter a little bit i've tried to edit out as best as i can but yeah thought i'd give you guys the heads up before you start listening to it like, oh, what's all this coughing about um so yeah that's it i try and cover it up and ed- as best i can as i say i've edited it out as and where i can um <clears throat> See, there we go, little example of it. Uh, as always, give you a little oversight of my week gone past. Um, and to be honest, nothing majorly exciting has happened, to be honest. Uh, I think probably the most exciting thing I did was I went and saw uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which was absolutely awesome. Uh, it's a really great sort of character-driven film uh, with loads of little twists in it. Uh, Francis uh, McDrummond is unbelievable in it if she doesn't win uh oscar for best actress then well that being said this is the first of the oscar sort of rumored films i've seen so but she's highly tipped for best actress and after seeing this film it's understandable why um if you want to read the full review uh i did a review for it so if you head over to justininsight.wordpress.com uh, it'll be over on there. I will put the link in the description of this episode if you so wish to have a little look. Um, so I'm going to go straight into this week's guest, uh, and I'm joined by vocalist of Horseflies, uh, Joe Watson. Uh, I've known Joe for years now. Um, I actually remember going to see uh, one of his, well, his very first bands, uh, well, not his first band's first show, but it was one of my first shows, and it was his first band if that makes sense. I'm, I'm rambling. But yeah, when I was a teenager, so um, it was kind of cool to go through uh, a musical history with, with Joe. This is kind of the, the avenue we're, we're looking to take with this show for 2018. And I'm glad Joe was one of the first people I got to do this with. Um, it's kind enough to, to invite me into his house uh, where we discussed his sort of journey into punk music, uh, how he came to join Horseflies from the various other bands he was in, um, and how sort of being on stage and being a, a photographer sometimes kind of led to, to some missed opportunities, which he speaks very candidly about. Um, so please sit back, enjoy my chat with Joe from Horseflies, and I'll see you on the other side. That's the thing, like it's cool. lightweight. It's, yeah, man. It does non-offensive? Does, <laughs> it does the job. Um, well, I've kind of hit record, so we'll go straight into cool. it. Yeah, I'm sat in the very cozy lounge of Horseflies lead singer Joe Watson. Um, I'm going to point it out straight away because I think it's amazing and sums up your taste and mine. You've got the artwork of the Thursday Envy split on a nice little canvas behind you, which ah, is. Yes. Very good, but yeah. Joe, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for for coming in. Yeah. No, it's cool, and thanks for thanks for the tea as You're well. Very welcome. Um, as the show is called Justin Insight, as I like to do with all my guests, I like to kind of take them back to their origins, so to say. Um, but kind of taking it a different aspect for for two thousand eighteen, and kind of go a bit more deeper into sort of influences and so on and so forth. So, okay. Um, Joe, for, if you can give us a, an insight how you kind of got into alternative music, what kind of put you onto this path? Okay, it's it's quite a long one, so I'll, I'll, I'll try and be quick. But <laughs> I think it all boils down to uh, high school uh, on the Isle of Wight, where I'm from. You have high school still. It's <laughs> like a, a weird thing. Um, when I say high school, people think I'm from, from America. America. Yeah, but it's an Isle of Wight thing. So I, I met my, my uh, met a guy called Simon. Uh, he's he's still my best friend. Um, he made me a mixtape and, and it had uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream on one, on one side. And I think most of 
blood sugar sex magic by nice. Red Hot Chili Peppers on the other side. So that was my way in. So before that, I was really into electronic music, dance music. And I say that as like a 12-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, that's quite a, quite a weird yeah, thing so to I really, do. Yeah, I, I really love The Prodigy but okay. <laughs> when I was younger. But obviously, I've, I still love that. You know, I still have a big interest in electronic music and that's probably come back around um, more recently. But um, so, yeah, I had this mixtape. That was my way in uh, to the grunge scene. Uh, it's a it's a weird word, grunge. But <laughs> you basically had all these bands from America making yeah. great music. Uh, that was my way in. So from that American-influenced music led to Epitaph, Fat Wreck Bands, No Effects, Bad Religion, Lagwagon, all yeah. these bands. And it, it's such, looking back at it now, it's such a, a simple line to draw but yeah yeah so you would have that kind of pop punk music and then i got into slightly more mature start you started getting bands like the get up i say mature but you had bands like <laughs> get get have kids um and then those bands would start their, their labels were responsible i guess for, for where i am but so for example equal vision um i was really into the get up kids you had equal vision records yeah you had a band called the strider who sounded kind of like you know, sort of an emo band before emo was a dirty word. Um, but on the same sample, you'd have Converge. Yeah, yeah. And it's when I was work when I basically moved to Portsmouth from the Isle of Wight, I'd work at a pub called The Horseshoe. Yeah. And one of my first jobs while I was at uni was cleaning the toilets at The Horseshoe. And <laughs> no, everyone I ever went to The Horseshoe, and now it's a pretty tough, <laughs> tough yeah. chore, um, especially with no gloves. Uh, lots of blood and sick and other things um so basically when i was cleaning i'd put these records on put these samples on um and you'd i'd put them on for like the strider get up kids all these kind of email yeah. bands and then you'd just let it run and later yeah, on in yeah. the compilation there would be converge and stuff and it's like wow what is this yeah it's yeah. nuts i kind of i don't really understand it right now i don't I don't know if I like this band. It sounds horrible. But then it, it's hard to chart, but it's just like a natural progression. Yeah, no, I All get that. All of a sudden, it just, it just clicks. And like, so can you remember what the first sort of physical record that you bought that was sort of of an alternative sort of ilk? Because I, I always find it funny because I was look, thinking back and I think the first, very first tape that I bought, because obviously my my older brother obviously influenced me quite a lot but yeah. I think the first tape I bought was uh, a Pantera live tape yes that was the first one I, I bought with my own pocket money sort of thing but then when like CDs kind of came about just on the fly uh, I think we were in France and there was a band called Out and I literally was just drawn in by that artwork bought it and it was kind of like that uh, it was in that period where sort of new metal was in that weird like electro oh, okay. beat down so they were very much of that ilk but that was kind of my first again with my own pocket money that that i bought yeah. so i was just interested to see what it's interesting when when you when you when you're gifted records as yeah a kid yeah and stuff it's it's really lovely but when you buy something with your own money it's like this is who i am this yeah is, yeah, this yeah. Is my own choice to to make so um yeah I, I really remember um obviously i brought a lot of terrible seven inches and cassettes when i was a kid um but then, yeah, the first, I'd say alternative record was probably Versus by Pearl Jam. Oh, nice. That's it. Well, it's the first CD that I, I remember vividly. Yeah. Um, I asked for a CD player from my parents for Christmas, and I I vividly remember my parents saying, well, you know, I don't, it's a bit of a waste of money. Isn't it? You're not really <laughs> into music, are you? What? Don't, don't, you, know, don't you know me? Um, so, <coughs> yeah, so I brought this Pearl Jam record, which is great. But you're saying about Pantera, the live record yeah. that he had. Um, the, the same week, maybe, a, a friend, Simon, actually, um, the guy I just mentioned, uh, my best friend, he brought me a Pantera Mouth for War oh, nice. maxi EP on uh, CD, and it had some live track. It had Cowboys from Hell live. Yeah, yeah. It was insane. So, yeah, I guess I, that was a, a gateway. Yeah. So, grunge... Pantera, that kind of stuff. That was a gateway. So that was that was the first real alternative record, I'd say. And because I think it's a, a funny thing that there's always sort of embarrassing first gigs. But I was quite lucky again, having the influence of an older brother. But my very first sort of live show, minus I think I went and saw his band before I went to like my first 
quote unquote big gig, uh, but it was the movie life at the Wedge of Dreams. So that was my like my first proper show. So Ooh. what what was yours? Um, my first big gig, um, and I, I'm I'm not really lucky like you. I didn't have a, <laughs> I had two older brothers, but they're not really into music. They're into football. Okay. Yeah. Although to be fair, my 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 oldest brother Jamie, I think on a whim, brought Nevermind by Nirvana. Nice. Which I quickly snaffled away to add to my collection. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was through them that I listened to the Prodigy and like that because they were really into like the rave scene. Yeah, yeah. Slightly older. Um, so yeah, the first gig that I went to was um, bizarrely Black Grape, which is Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays, oh, yeah, yeah. the band that he did. It was at Southampton Guildhall. Um, I think I may have been sixteen because leaving the Isle of Wight is quite a big thing. Yeah, um, it's it's quite a, at that age anyway. Your parents are quite reluctant to let you leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, just, yeah. So Black Grape, and it, I remember it, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was a great experience, um, and then in in that sort of short space of time, Prodigy at Ports of Guildhall. Oh, nice! Uh, it was um, it would have been sort of oh, maybe Fat of a Land era, um, and yeah, I remember they built like a living room set on stage. Awesome! It was, it was incredible. But it was when they were in their proper kind of punk rock industrials. Yeah, of yeah. So it was pretty pretty great. And then, um, but I also remember same sort of time Foo Fighters at Southampton Guildhall. It's the first UK tour they did. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. I remember they played. It's really vivid actually. They played Wind Up, uh, the first song, and I remember crowd surfing within like, the first <laughs> awesome. ten seconds. Um, I would have hated me. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's back the, I, then. <laughs> I always think that. Like, I look back and I'm like, oh, I was a, I was a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the worst person ever. But um, so you obviously. I want to obviously talk to you about your kind of musical journey as well. Mm. So, I obviously my first introduction of you was through Jets vs. Sharks. Oh, okay, but uh, how did you kind of get to that point? Like, how did you kind of start playing music? And because obviously, this from from an outsider looking in, but I think your voice is quite a unique one within this sort of UK punk scene, especially because I think a lot of people are a lot more akin to sort of screeching screaming whereas yours is a more sort of out and out shout kind of thing okay. if that makes sense <laughs> I mean that in the nicest no, way no 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 um, that's, that's cool so yeah just did you always kind of want to be a vocalist or was it just something you fell into how did that kind of all come about um it was quite a sad a, a painful journey really okay. so at, at school I always wanted to be in a band um, yeah I mean because you watch these guys fronting bands having a great time and uh that's i thought that's i could do that i i could be like a you know i could be a front man yeah but nobody would ever have me in the band because i i had no musical ability and i couldn't sing yeah and I, i'd say even um coming up to, to to doing jets i couldn't sing and it's probably only in later years that i became comfortable doing what i'm doing and and, and listening back to early recordings and I find it quite. I can't really listen to it. It's quite hard. It's quite quite painful. Um, so it's it's quite baffling that you know even year. I mean even earlier today I had a, a message from somebody just saying oh you know I, your band was really inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Which is lovely, but to me it, it I can't get my head around it. But so the the band that really made it all all work for me was Hot Water Music. Um, yeah. I made some friends on the Isle of Wight and. I went to stay with one of them in Croydon. Um, he ended up um, going on to form his band Blocko, great band. Um, but he made me a mixtape. Yeah, had loads of great bands on, like the Doughboys, um, Hot Water Music, and and I heard um, Chuck and Chris's voice in Hot Water Music, and it was that kind of like raspy, sort of shouty, mm. strained vocal. And I'm like, maybe I could try and do this. So um, I had some friends at the time, and we all liked the similar stuff. Uh, so we're like, let's give it a go, and and I think the sort of the starting points for for Jets, it was like hot water music, and it was no division sort of era, uh, before it became really polished. So it's quite rough and ready, and also quicksand. That that's quite a yeah, big yeah. thing as well. Um, and I didn't even know if I could do it. And I remember the first few practices, and within like the first couple of songs, I couldn't speak. <laughs> yeah. And days later, my voice was, you know, really horrible. And I and I remember actually the first tour Jets ever did, we'd already recorded <coughs> um, 
recorded an EP which we put out on Cat and Cakey and then we recorded a second EP on the Isle of Wight and the, and the recording for that didn't really go very well at all um, I think we were just trying to save some money and yeah, do yeah. a bit of budget but I totally blew my voice out and we went on tour for the, our first ever tour and I, from day one I had no voice <laughs> we played um, The Swan in London which is quite a, a legendary venue at the time and uh, yeah I just remember being heartbroken getting yeah, just yeah. Like, I can't sing so I, I think somebody gave me some uh, brandy and that helped <laughs> clear my voice a little bit so yeah so I, it, it's hard to, to, to look back but yeah I just sort of forced my way in and just blagged it to yeah. a degree and was like I want to sing in a band I'm friends with these guys who are incredible musicians do you want to give me a shot and we had some practices and it, and it just worked and um, like most bands of that ilk punk bands I guess it's yeah. just all a little bit sort of on the fly but it seemed to work um, so it was Jets your your first band then? yeah it was um, okay. I'd, I'd sort of tried to get stuff going before and, and, and I think if if I had a pound for every band that I'd formed with yeah. friends talking about it, I'd, I'd be a rich man. You know, <laughs> yeah. So many great bands that never, never happened. But I really vividly remember being in Scandals, an old bar in um, Portsmouth, and with Bailey <coughs> from uh, who who played bass and jets, where we were trying to get it going, and it was just me and Bailey. We decided we were going to do this band, and I remember going up to this guy, like talking <coughs> to him, and he mentioned that he played drums. And, yeah. Like, yeah we're starting a band do you want to play drums and yeah he was in but this guy didn't come through but I still see this guy around yeah and, yeah and it's just so funny the, the sort of the coincidental the chances that happen and just you happen to meet the right people at the right time and it clicks you know that guy could have played drums and yeah, sounded yeah. like Oasis or something and it would have been <laughs> terrible but um, so it's it, yeah it's funny it's a time and a place but it just I mean Tim who played guitar in Jets he was one of the first people I met when I moved to Portsmouth yeah kind of tipped me under his wing wing really um, and uh, showed me the site so it was such a great thriving DIY scene of yeah of great great bands and, and I just I, I remember moving in I was so excited was, yeah compared to the Isle of Wight it was so different yeah yeah and I think because obviously you say the, the scene back then was sort of really thriving and I obviously our friend Luke Fisher is one for reminiscing, so he always kind of looks back on that fondly, and he still to this day he quite keeps going kind of banging on about jets and things like that. <laughs> which, like, it's fair place because I, I remember I can't remember what the name of the the record you guys did was, but I remember it was a little CD, and at the time, like there was nothing that I knew of, like locally or even in the UK that was kind of of that sound okay so because i was i was like aware of sort of bands like sort of like thursday glass mm. or things like that but i hadn't heard anything sort of i don't know that raw punk apart like because obviously my brother was in um the saddest day but that was kind of more hardcore metalcore yeah, sort of sure. thing so and it, it was, was a few quite a few years later as well I yeah was... so and like there was obviously the all the kind of bands that I was familiar with locally were a bit more on the cusp of metal, whereas mm. you guys were a bit more sort of straight up punk. And mm. I think a lot of people still kind of look fondly back on Jets, especially people in Portsmouth. So does that kind mm. of surprise you, the impact that, that you had, like considering that was your first band? Yeah, absolutely. Um it happens quite a lot and it's it's embarrassing and I, and, I, and, I, and I know my wife Vicky finds it really strange and probably a bit embarrassing but you know for for example we'll be at a, a social gathering or a wedding or something and I'll we'll get chatting to some people we've never met before and it'll kind of we'll chat and five yeah, minutes yeah. down the line it will come out that you know like oh you know I like you know I've played in bands and live in Portsmouth and oh man I recognise you you do have a singer on Jets and, <laughs> yeah. and I think Vicky just kind of face palms because like, she, she's young she's seven years younger than me so she missed out on on all of that so she wasn't really around at the time to witness it all but it was a magical time and it's, it's it is weird when people kind of look on it so funny because for me I look on it for it was it was character building I made some some of my best friends during that time um, but it's also a lot of stress and heartache and 
you know you're, we're at university or working part you know working part-time jobs and university and yeah. doing a band or working full-time jobs later on and and we were cramming in like so many shows. I remember driving, you know, taking a half day from work, driving to Leeds to play a show. Yeah. Dri- coming back that night and then working the next day. And to be fair, I didn't drive, so I didn't have the worst of it. But Yeah, yeah. We, it's still we, a slog of a journey. It was a hell of a time. You know, we, we really crammed in a lot. And when I look back at the gig schedule of, of all the gigs we did, and bear in mind there was no sort of... It was all off our own back, people mm. inviting us to play. And it was, it was pretty amazing, really. But... I don't know, what, what am I trying to say? It's, it's kind of easy <laughs> to look back with rose-tinted specs. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice that people look look back at it so fondly. Yeah. Um, and I, I do as well. I mean, there were, you know, when we sort of called it a day and, and things didn't really work out near the end, it, it was really heartbreaking. So um, and there's always a part of me I'd love to kind of try and fix it. Get the old band together sort of thing. Get the old guys back <laughs> together. Yeah. That's... I'm interested to kind of because obviously nowadays we've got the the luxury of sort of social media and Facebook and things like that mm. and sort of if p- bands want to book a tour like my band's guilty of it if you want to book a tour you put a post out and see if anyone bites sure but from like back then how did you kind of was it just sort of through word of mouth that you kind of found promoters or were people sort of picking up your music in sort of through different circles like how did that kind of will come about it's it's strange actually talking about it because it doesn't seem like such an alien concept to me but to obviously younger people it does seem like a, a strange thing but um this we're talking about a time when people are still dishing out tapes yeah you know? yeah so cds obviously <laughs> you know existed it wasn't that long yeah ago, so this is like 2001 um and there was a big community based around Fracture, which was a, a yeah. great fanzine. Um, God, I can't know about that in ages. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm still still in touch with some of the guys that that wrote for Fracture, who at the time, you know, to me, they were like rock stars. But mm. now I just, you know, I know them as <laughs> yeah. some guys that will be at gigs, and it's nice to have a drink with. But um, yeah, so I yeah, it, it, thinking about it, there was letter writing. You know, people would write other letters. You'd yeah, send yeah. out stuff but most most of the networking came down to gigs you you would meet people at gigs and, and i think when social media sort of came in the internet became more prevalent it seemed great great i don't have to talk to people anymore you send an email <laughs> yeah. but a little bit of time on now in in hindsight i think we're worse off for it I yeah think. i agree um face-to-face contact is the way and actually interacting with people I think the the current sort of trend of social media and emails have made people very lazy and mm. and I, I still remember the first time we went to um to play in Leeds we played out Spike Festival which to us was like this legendary event and some legendary bands and um I remember the first time we rocked up to play it and getting to this club the night before and bumping to all these people so you had like Russell Remains who would write for Fracture and yeah. you knew the names but you didn't know what they looked like Yeah, yeah. you'd be chatting oh hi I'm Russell I write for Fracture and it's just mind blowing and I kind of feel sad for for bands that miss out on that excitement and genuine kind of you know meeting people for the first time that yeah, yeah. you've only ever seen their name as like two two letters as like an initial for a review and, yeah, yeah. and stuff so um but yeah, very much Fracture had a big part of it. And there were message boards and things like that. So that started to kind of slowly feed in. Mm. Um, also, Miles, who was in a band called Rydell, who were great. He had a distro, so he would be dishing out a lot of UK stuff yeah. as well. So, cool. Yeah. So then after Jets, was was Vipers the next, next stop, so to say? <laughs> there was a kind of middle ground. So when I was still... Um, it's all a bit hazy really but I started doing a band called Ruin You which was with Tim from Jets yeah and Dan Postin who was in um, You Mean the Atom Bomb and Lloyd uh, Big Lloyd Chambers from uh, Blocko so it was like a dream team for me and, yeah but yeah we had a very short lived time we only played a handful of gigs we did a, a tour with a band called Latterman um, oh yeah yeah and we played uh, with the King Blues before they sort of blew up this really early day so and we put a seven inch out and uh but that just kind of 
sort of uh, died off and then yeah started doing attack vipers um really fueled by um a lot of the no idea sort of back catalogue um ben who played guitar in jets and i we sort of really saw eye to eye on bands like planes for mistaken for stars yeah um, glass and ashes those kind of bands so the heavier like kind of end of things i, I think that was a natural evolution of where where that was going that we wanted to take things heavier. yeah and um so the two of us went and did that with uh, mark um who we knew from the blacksmiths You, you, you can cut this out. That's good. <laughs> Sorry, man, it's, it's no, that's fine, man. Don't worry about it. Turn it off. Um, so we had um, Mark on drums who worked at the Blacksmiths, yeah. which is where Jets recorded, um, and then Tom, who was in Last Kiss, he played bass. Um, it was just. Oh, like I did a, not realise he was in Last yeah, Kiss. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, so it was like this little, you know, friend, and, and it's great because the. Um, one of the Jet CPs there's a picture I think I'm like singing like handing out a mic to Hussey yeah and so it's all a little circular thing you know it's all sort of stayed in the house but yeah yeah, yeah. So. without it sort of sounding like a bit of a an ego stroke for, for for yourself that Viper's kind of had a reputation in Portsmouth that everyone's kind of quite proud of them being a band from Portsmouth that they were out doing sort of this thing going out on tours doing the bigger shows and obviously in the latter day the the bigger festivals and so on and so forth but was there ever kind of a not a, a strain I think that's the wrong word but sort of an expectation on, on you guys being a band from Portsmouth that people were sort of like yeah that's our band kind of thing um that's that's really nice of you to say uh, I mean it's it was strange actually it was almost the opposite because I never really felt obviously when we played in in played home shows they were always fun yeah they were good but um i never really felt i i never really felt that sort of pride from people okay which is not to you know that's not to say that people didn't feel like that because you know i guess guess they didn't that which is really cool but um yeah i I don't know it i I really distinctly remember walking up to the one-eyed dog um when we're about to play our last show yeah um seeing a guy in a viper's t-shirt it's like I didn't know, really know who it was. It's like, hey man, how's it going? It's like, all right, dude. Hi. <laughs> really awkwardly. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, just going to go and play our last show. And it's like, oh, right. Okay. And it, it, it's like, okay, well, if you, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm was... not ever sure we felt that connection with uh, people and sort of like a. So I think some bands have like a huge hometown following. Yeah, they, yeah. They can fill out venues and stuff with the fans, and I, I just don't think we ever had that. Um, obviously, it was it was such a kick when you'd go out and you'd bump in somebody like wearing our t shirts. Yeah, like around yeah. Town, and but then that could happen, you know, anywhere. And so it it was it was nice, and the people that cared it it was really cool. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't think we ever really felt a, a duty or a kind of a pressure to. Yeah represent Portsmouth it felt nice to to get out and and it was nice to be playing big shows mm. and tours and um so yeah I felt proud to to get out of town and do yeah stuff. yeah um yeah because with with Vipers again I think it was a sound that maybe necessarily wasn't that prevalent in the kind of DIY sort of scene that was going around especially kind of towards the end because uh people kind of especially my age are kind of gone towards the heavier end of the spectrum so we're very on board with converge very on board with bands like trap them and things like that whereas like you guys were kind of in that sort of still heavy but with a bit more of a a groove i think is the best way to kind of say it but to that extent you were still getting the the coverage and and obviously putting out records and things so did you guys i don't know was it just because of your influences that that's the way it turned out or did you consciously want to kind of buck the trend a bit uh, i don't think it was ever a conscious thing i i know that we we did always say we wanted to play heavy music that was memorable mm. um so we wanted to play yeah we just didn't want to play a wall of noise yeah um 
so there was there was always that but i i would always say we were too punk for the hardcore kids yeah. and too hardcore for the punk kids <laughs> yeah. so I, and i'm never sure we really found our place and quite a lot of times on certain bills i would always feel out of place um like we weren't cool enough um this is relating to 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 jets really rather than vipers but i remember we turned up to um player shirt guildford youth center and yeah it was a great lineup we, we were playing it was with uh november coming fire oh yeah yeah and himza in a in a youth club which is nuts yeah yeah but i remember turning up and we were listening to less than jake with the windows <laughs> down and it was sunny and we we're all in like baggy shorts and t-shirts and stuff and then you get in and everybody's wearing like eyeliner and like yeah, black, yeah. you know so i just think we were forever like untrendy and <laughs> never really that cool yeah. so. <laughs> and with vipers i think the kind of i don't know like there was there was a bit of momentum behind you guys obviously did a couple of records and things like that so did you guys i don't know was there ever sort of an end game kind of, kind of thing because like did you kind of set out like say oh we want to write not x amount of albums because i think that kind of sounds a bit pretentious but did you kind of have like a a view with things when they were kind of progressing like right now we can do this and kind of make the next step up if that makes sense no not really i, I don't think there was ever a kind of a, a, a an objective to the band other than to just you know friends playing music and yeah doing what we enjoy so yeah, I don't don't ever think we ever really had a, a game plan as such. <laughs> if somebody put our record, we were we were really happy about it, and that was cool. Um, and we never really sort of looked, you know, to trends or anything like that. We yeah. just write what we were, you know, influenced by at the time and enjoyed. That that was pretty much it, really. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, obviously, like kind of towards the end, you guys were playing sort of some of the bigger shows and some of the sort of bigger festivals, and I remember vividly seeing you guys at, at heavy fest which like for me being friends of you that was kind of like a oh that's my friends on stage kind of moment which was really cool but like i think i might have it was either yourself or hussy i'd saw just before you went on and they were like yeah i'm bricking it kind of thing but how was that kind of experience because i don't know like for me obviously i've only ever played small little dives so i can't imagine being on the stage that to that extent yeah I guess, I guess when you play you know best part of a decade playing pubs and back rooms and stuff it's it's weird when you, you make that jump a lot of bands now I, th I think make the jump quicker to the you know the more polished bands will, will go to those big stages quicker yeah i just never really think we translated in 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 that respect to big stages mm. and stuff and, and i remember we did the, the tour with um thursday and we played i think it was um london university or something like that yeah, it was a yeah. huge room and and it just it did, just didn't really connect and i think people enjoyed it but as a band it was it felt weird yeah. it felt weird <laughs> being in like full lights and um not in the darkness and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know it was fun but I wish I could go back and do it again with with some added confidence. Yeah, yeah. Because when you you make that jump, it takes a little while to sort of get to it, and I ne I never really think we did it justice. Yeah, and I've got to ask because like the fanboy in me, obviously massive Thursday fan, and you guys got to play with them quite a few times. So how did that kind of come about? Because obviously that was kind of it's weird that your bands almost kind of linear wise went simultaneously because they kind of called hiatus around the same time that you guys did yeah which... yeah i guess so um except they they sold hundreds of thousands of <laughs> records well that that small little <laughs> little difference but yeah um so yeah uh it was it was really cool actually um we played a show with ink and dagger who are a band that we really yeah, liked that was the joiners wasn't it yeah, yeah I remember which that was show. a strange show and um <coughs> I, but I've... On a side note, I massive fanboyed on that because yeah. I was like, it's Jeff Rickley. Jeff Rickley stood right there. He's there. He's there. He's there. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that was... <laughs> I was a little bit like that, but equally it was like, this is Ink and Dagger. Yeah, this, yeah. This is great. But um, so Jeff was cool and he asked for a couple of records, which we hooked him up with. And then I think I was at work and I had an email from a booking agent saying, um, Jeff from Thursday has been in touch. He really wants your band to come on tour with Thursday um 
can you give me a call? Yeah, so yeah. I just, I'd emailed back. I didn't call. Of course, I'm not going to call. It's like some Nigerian scam or something. And uh, but I emailed oh, email's back. just as bad. <laughs> yeah, Got all right. your details. I'll get you every time. Um, so yeah, I just emailed back. Is this a joke? And the guy's like, No, no, no. It's very serious. Please call me. So I called this guy, and he was like, Yeah, Jeff's really into your band. Uh, he really enjoyed you, um, which is weird because when, you, when you're playing a gig and you're just playing to a sea of indifference, and yeah, people just yeah. stood there. It's like, is anyone enjoying this apart yeah. from me? Um, so <laughs> it's really nice. Um, and yeah, he's just like, we really like your band. We're, we're doing like four dates, I think it was, in the UK. We'd love you to support. And it was like, how can you say no to that? Yeah, them? yeah. It was, it was sick. And they're really lovely guys, really nice dudes. Um yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a good life experience. I just, like I say earlier, I just wish we, we probably were a little bit too bashful and a little bit too shy. And, yeah. Um, probably didn't quite do it ju- justice, but, um, you know, it was a good time. Um, before we kind of move on music-wise, because obviously another thing that is a huge sort of part of your life is the whole sort of photography kind of thing. Um, and in that time, I remember seeing loads of your photos everywhere. Um, being sort of very jealous as being someone that thought they could do photography but turns out I can't Um, (laughs) but yeah like obviously in the sort of whole sort of Vipers area obviously you were playing with a lot of these sort of bigger hardcore bands and obviously being the opportunity to to photograph them as well so was that just a case of you just kind of threw yourself in the at the deep end with that and things just kind of trickled along or did because obviously I know that's part of your your day job now, but was that always kind of in the back of your mind? Like this is a way I can build up a a portfolio. No, no, <laughs> t- totally the opposite. Really, I I completely wasted so many opportunities. I I did a, an interview recently for um a really cool website called No Echo, and it's one of the guys that was in um, Black Army Jacket. Okay, and um a great thrash band, um grindcore band, and um this guy sort of got interested in my photography and so that drudged up a lot of stuff so I can talk quite freely about it but um (laughs) yeah I totally wasted so many amazing opportunities um most of the photography I did was was commissioned through uh, freelance work through right okay um but looking back I was in some great positions where I could have photographed a lot of great behind the scenes stuff I mean on on the Thursday tour, I did I took some shots and I got a couple of good ones. Um, Ink and Dagger, I got some good shots. Um, so there were some shows that we played where I would take my camera, but it's really hard um, when you're behind a camera. Um, I sort of managed to really combine very well taking photos, but also partying hard and just <laughs> just getting loose and having a good time yeah yeah but then it, it goes even further when you're playing a gig you don't want to worry about have i charged my batteries have, yeah have I that's got flash? yeah that's fair enough so i just i never really bothered i just wanted to live in the moment and enjoy the gig and um so i miss a lot of great opportunities and i look back at the work by a lot of photographers who were entrenched in all that stuff like glenn friedman and uh, those guys who were just there day in day out, yeah, capturing. yeah. And I wish I'd done that, and and I I I blew it really, but um, I've just got memories really. <laughs> no, I, I think well, I think it's just as good to to some extent. But I think the reason I bring it up because I remember we were talking a, a little while ago, and you mentioned the photo I had at the top of my Twitter, oh, and yeah. I didn't even re- yeah. realize it was one of yours, which is which is pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the convert shop. It yeah. was from. Um, from one of the London shows and and that's a prime example actually that day I'd I'd been commissioned to photograph that for Rock Sound and they'd sent me along during the day to to meet up with the band mm. you know it's like one of my favourite bands Converge. yeah and um, so I met them backstage really nice I'd, I'd met them before um, when Jets had supported them they wouldn't remember they wouldn't know yeah. who I was but they were they were really nice guys and I had to go out and do some sort of portraits totally fucked it i it just uh i just did not i was not confident enough yeah. to just perform in that sort of environment and i got some shots you know okay shots um but nothing compared to what i could do now yeah yeah um you know i'd love to go back and do that again but um but you know the shots that i got on that night the the band they actually got in touch and wanted to use it they use them for a few bits and which yeah. is really cool 
um, and you know they got published and some great great shots and funny enough last week a guy used that same photo to advertise his podcast oh really tagged me in it so I got in touch with him and then we sparked up a conversation which led to you know uh, the new band that I'm doing and and I think he's played some on his podcast and stuff okay cool it's all cyclical and it all so yeah that photo is a winner it's a winner well before we get on to what you're kind of doing sort of now obviously you've been sort of in the sort of punk hardcore scene whatever you want to call it for for quite a few years and obviously musical tastes change and I think that shows through what you've kind of put but what's always interests me like me being a vocalist in the band as well but even before that like vocals has always been the thing that has drawn me to music so I've always kind of been interested in what vocalists have to say so to say so for for you obviously kind of give us a, a Joe Watson lineage, so to say, like what's kind of influenced you throughout the years to oh, for, for your like obviously you don't you don't have to don't have to go like deep and dark, but just like because obviously I think if I say like me personally now like obviously the band I'm in the divorcee yeah. we're writing like towards a record and a lot of the stuff that's influencing what I'm writing is partly a past relationship, partly shit that we're seeing in real life and partly work so it's like a kind of like a three-pronged attack so i'm just kind of interested to see where your influences well, have lied it, and yeah. are now to make it a really short answer exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> but on, on a separate note that you, you mentioned that you're you're in the divorcee which is which is great but it's amazing that you've only mentioned it once because just on a side note i listened to six music the other day guy garvey's um sunday night uh, thing that he does and he he's a singer in Elbow yeah. obviously and I'm not joking in 15 minutes he mentioned Elbow eight times oh okay it's insane <laughs> so it's great that you've only mentioned the divorcee <laughs> once so well done thank you um, good work um, but yeah seriously uh, lyrically yeah I, I guess kind of similar stuff I've never been able to write from an aspect really of, of anything other than true sort of honesty and life experience so it's um although that has changed more now um yeah i guess when you know the early days it was always about breakups because yeah. that, that's the stuff that you're that's affecting you when you're 21 years old or, <laughs> yeah you know being frustrated with work um but obviously you get older you become more aware of the, the world around you so um yeah i'd say sort of similar issues really um you, you you always I always come from a personal point of view, um, but then more recently I've become sort of more attracted to the abstract in a way. Mm. You know, singing about experiences that maybe aren't even my own, but taking on my own interpretation of it. Um, but usually the, um, especially the new band. I think we played a gig, and it was songs about the Isle of Wight. <laughs> and suicide <laughs> and that was that was pretty much it so um but yeah I, I think just like whatever kind of comes to to you naturally yeah you know I, I could never I could never get my head around bands I mean I was thinking about this the other day I used to love bands like no effects and stuff like that and, yeah and then I look back at the, the their back catalogue and the lyrics and the songs it's like what the hell like, <laughs> I, I could never sing a song uh, you know like the way they do just yeah about yeah something that doesn't mean anything yeah i don't, I don't know it's no it's no weird. that's that's fair enough um, um well, we'll, we'll bring it to the present day obviously at the moment band you're in is horse, horse flies and f- kind of to keeping on topic with the with the podcast c- give us a, an insight of how that band came about because i think after vipers kind of ended there was kind of a sense of what next for all of you sort of thing. I know sort of Mark was off doing family stuff. Yeah. yeah. Tom was doing personal best. Mm-hmm. Ben, I don't really know what Ben, well, ben was doing. Ben is in a band called the Hippies or oh, okay. Hippies. With Hippies. Hippies. Um, with his brother, Rue. Oh, okay, cool. Bangers. Um, oh, yes. And yeah, they're, yeah. they're doing some shows next month. Yeah. But um, yeah, so as I say, there was always kind of like the the what next and yeah. obviously horse kind of came around so 
how did that kind of collective of people come um, together? Um, yeah, it's uh, it was it's probably more more interesting than than some of the stories. But so Vipers finished, had a bit of a break. I found it quite tough to deal with not not having that band. It yeah, just kind of we we did a final show and it went and it fi- we finished it properly unlike jets which just kind of fizzled out so yeah. it was good to to call it a day but i i did struggle not doing it and then i started a band called blood buzz which yeah. uh, i did for a little while um basically like a fast hardcore band and as that went on i was just finding it increasingly difficult to um sounds crazy but actually sing for that band it was yeah. so fast and I've always had asthma and and my lungs. I was really struggling to mm. kind of. I remember playing one one show at the Joiners one Christmas, and I I just thought I can't do this anymore. It's, yeah. And and I I honestly thought I'm done now. I, I'm not going to do any bands anymore. Mm. I'm, I'm finished. I, I've just I haven't got it in me anymore. And then um, a fortuitous turn of events, which ties into the photography. Um, yeah. Mike. Uh, who plays guitar and horse flies. Um, he'd approached me about photographing his wedding. Um, so naturally when you're photographing someone's wedding, it's a big day. You get yeah. together, you chat about stuff. Um, so we got together. Um, and, and that led to obviously we'd been in a lot of the same places at the same time, the horseshoe, um, had a lot of shared experiences. We are in kind of different scenes per se, but, um, so a lot of the same experiences growing up in Portsmouth, doing bands in Portsmouth. Yeah. But we talked about the bands that we loved, and we had so much in common. And I also sort of kept harping on about the national. I love the national. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he was like, right, okay, well, you know, I'm I've got this band. You know, actually, um, he was doing a band at the time, Deluxe Flamingos, and who I I was already sort of aware of. And, yeah. And um, they'd put out one song in particular, which. I fell in love with and I and and I genuinely like this is one of the best band uh, one of the best songs one of the greatest bands to come out of, uh, of Portsmouth in a long time mm. um, so I was really sort of besotted with what they were doing and I was like this is great um, and he said like we, we've got a new EP do you want to come and sing on a track yeah. you know doing what you want to do right, rather than being like right you're known for screaming or shouting <laughs> your head off come and scream all over this but he he really sort of like pushed me into chasing what I ultimately wanted to do, which I was too scared to do in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit of uh, tough talk and a bit of gentle encouragement. Yeah. We kind of ended up recording these vocals for this uh, deluxe flamingos track. And then from there just ended up, you know, he was like, I'm going to put together a band called Horseflies. It's going to be great. You know, and that was it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all oh, right, nice. Yeah, I look forward to that. And then a few months went down the line. It's like, yeah, so horseflies, you you singing in it or what? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I think that's kind of how it went. I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, just let's book a practice and get together. So yeah. we, we got in a room and I knew Matt, who played drums. Um, and the same as Mike, really. Matt and Mike, I knew, but not really well. Yeah. Um, and it felt like... Uh, it was a real lesson in how people should put themselves out there and actually bother to speak to each other a little mm. bit more. Um, so these guys that I've known, you know, off off to one side for a yeah, long time. Yeah. I know I've seen them at gigs and stuff and never bothered to talk to them. So it turns out we've got so much in common. And, you know, so I had this great practice. And Dan, who plays bass, I've never met in my life. And, yeah. You know, first practice, it's like, hey, how's it going? we're in a band together now and it's kind of weird because I've always been in bands with people that I yeah, yeah, know really of course. well but um, it's it's worked out perfectly really so basically Mike sort of formed this yeah. this thing and brought everyone together and I think from an outsider looking in like the the whole band's kind of sort of hit the ground running sort of thing sort of mm. like I think demo was out pretty quickly album was out pretty quick after that and obviously now you've got the second record sort of pretty much under your belt coming out sort yeah. of next next month is it uh yeah yeah, yeah next month yeah so February. obviously like for new bands that's almost kind of unheard of sort of mm. thing so for for you personally going into that sort of sort of working environment was that sort of like a, a breath of fresh air to sort of have things that quick fire sort of yeah i mean no disrespect to to anyone else that 
I mean, that was one of the, the issues with, with Vipers. I think Ben had sort of maybe come to a point where he just didn't really feel like he could write any more music for that kind of yeah. what we were doing. And he, I know he struggled. He, he just did. He wasn't really in the right space to, mm. to do that. So it sort of, you know, really slowed down. So to go from that to, you know, <laughs> every week there's a couple of new songs. Um, I think the first practice, we had like 19 songs in like a rough kind of yeah yeah not you know not like a just jam just ideas sort of yeah thing, ideas yeah. it's like 19 ideas um so yeah we we sort of sorted a, a an album out together pretty quickly but i remember having a conversation quite early on that we wanted to be a, a very proactive band yeah whether, whether that meant touring and playing gigs probably not so much it was more like let's just write music and yeah. write songs and get stuff out there and to me self-defense family they were always a kind of a a, a mold that i wanted to kind of yeah pursue like that kind of thing like putting out constant stuff yeah um but you know I, i'd like to think that it's it's definitely um quantity over quality i, I yeah we haven't just thrown out a load of, <laughs> no of, no of, of course rubbish. not so yeah it's been really cool i mean there's been a few sort of tight tight moments in the studio mm. like where i haven't quite finished writing lyrics for a song but um, we had this discussion the other day that sometimes those little moments they they force the best out of you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that again, this is kind of I don't want this to sound like oh you've got a reputation, but the people know who Joe Watson is in the punk and hardcore scene, like through Vipers and things. And as I said, your voice is quite unique in that aspect. So when horseflies first kind of came out it was very different to anything that you'd previously mm. done obviously i don't know the other guys as well so i don't know their musical background sure. but so from the punk reaction quote unquote how was horseflies kind of first received from from your point of view i, I don't know yeah good yeah positive uh, it was it was a really good um it's just been very different really yeah um so I think maybe five years ago, we probably could have just jumped straight into doing a load of tours with other bands or playing gigs up and down the country. But people get older, they, <laughs> yeah. they, you know, now it's so hard to get <coughs> to, to get a show. It's, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was at one time you could have toured the country, no problem, but it has become very difficult. Everyone sort of moved on. They've either you know sparked up families or they've got job commitments so not as many people that used to put bands on that i knew yeah do anymore so um but yeah so we're sort of a little bit more focused on you know playing less but good shows yeah and uh, yeah i think the reaction's been really good and um it's it's nice when you get a nice a great reaction from somebody you respect as well so mm. There's been a few people that I've sent the new record to who have, have said some really nice things that probably weren't too fussed about previous bands. And yeah. So, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, and I, I think the, the general vibe has been that, that people like it. Mm. And it. something that I thought was quite interesting that you guys decided to do was the kind of the remix sort of side mm. of things. Obviously, Miles did one of the, the tracks, which... Yeah. I don't that guy has too much musical knowledge that goes through his head I don't get how he works but obviously the the, the type of music that you guys play isn't necessarily something to be remixed so what why did that sort of concept kind of come come about and how, like why did you sort of choose the people that you asked mm. or I mean maybe it's for that reason that we we thought it was was a good thing to do Okay, um, yeah, that's fair enough. But I, I guess when you look at the... Um, so it sparked off... It's, it's always something I've wanted to do um, with Jets, with Vipers. I've always wanted to do, you know, get somebody to do some horrible remixes <laughs> or, or whatever. But um, it's just never really happened. And then Mike having the kind of knowledge that he had doing Deluxe Flamingos, he's he's more versed in making electronic music. yeah remixes that kind of stuff um so it kind of sparked off from there and but the most important thing everybody in the band was was into the idea so yeah yeah just kind of had free reign to to run with it and a lot of the people that were involved were um friends um or people that we knew 
so um for example um joe from uh he was in a hardcore band called figure four from leeds yeah. um and you know you find like a lot of people as they've got older move more you know their, their tastes change or move. so a lot of people that we knew were doing that kind of stuff so yeah um but obviously different aspects of it so it's really exciting to get them involved and ryan from photo crime coliseum you know he's really up for doing stuff and um so it's really cool to to get people on board when when you first ask you're yeah not yeah. sure whether people want to do it or not whether they because obviously they have to have a connection with the music to want to work with it but yeah um so that i mean the main thing was, yeah i mean it was just sort of ticking off something that we <laughs> yeah. wanted to do but it was it was really satisfying and yes everything that came back was pretty mind-blowing really mm. and Obviously, you kindly let me have a little sneak peek of of the new record, which, <laughs> um, which you even said yourself is very different from from the first. But I think different is never a bad thing, kind of thing. No. I, I think within music, obviously, progression is the kind of sure is the key, so, so to say. But do you think that? Because I I don't know. I think with from from me personally, I think from the first record, it was kind of like right. This is what Horseflies is. Whereas this record is kind of right now, this is the sound we are kind of thing. Is uh, it's kind of like uh, you found the shoes that fit, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Is, yeah, do, yeah, is that the way that you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I think it's the accumulation of the four of us putting ideas in, and and I mean the first one we did as well, but um, I think the first one was more of a, a burst of of enthusiasm and yeah. energy. Whereas now we've had a bit of time to. Although not much, much time, really. You've got to cram <laughs> yeah. a lot in. But yeah, just exploring different avenues. And once again, you know, the new record, we've we've incorporated more instrumentation, like synths. You know, there's even like piano, glockenspiel, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And that's always stuff I've wanted to do. So I feel very sort of blessed in a way to be in a band doing that kind of stuff um, and people that want to do do that. So yeah, uh, yeah I guess it's just a, a, a progression and... and Album three, we'll already start jamming up. We've already started <laughs> jamming ideas, and and that will probably push it even, you know, even further. So perfect. Um, what I do, Joe, is I'll start sort of rounding up. So how I kind of like to to end this is to ask you. We'll go with obviously Horseflies because that's the band you're in at the moment and playing okay. live in at the moment. Um, it's to ask you what your favourite Horseflies song is, but but put a bit of a twist on it. So what is your favourite Horseflies song that you like to perform live? and why oh man that's hard um i really love uh probably the first song on the first record actually warhol yeah um it's just got a really nice sort of sway it's one of those songs where i'm so used to just being rooted to the spot just nearly breaking my neck screaming down the <laughs> yeah. microphone it's just got a, a nice groove and a swagger so i can actually uh have, have a little just dance. like dry hump a microphone <laughs> and have a nice time with it so yeah there we, go. there we go perfect that, I think that's a perfect note to end it on Joe thank you for, for letting me come into your house and uh, have a little chat thank you very much thanks man no worries cheers, cheers. So there we have it, folks. A massive thanks again to Joe for taking the time to have a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned during the conversation, uh, Horsefly's new album will be coming out uh, next month, so keep an eye out for that for when that drops. Uh, in the meantime, you can keep up to date with everything the band does uh, over at Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash horseflyesband. Um, they've also recently announced a bunch of shows, so have a look at those. Make sure you go out and, and check them if you get the chance. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with what's going on on this show over at Twitter. It's at just underscore and underscore insight. Um, and finally, I've started uploading everything to YouTube. So if you head over to YouTube, search just an insight podcast, all the episodes I've uploaded so far will be up there. Uh, I've uploaded, I think, 11 episodes so far. I'm, I'm restricting them on the wrestling ones just because they take so long to upload. Um, but yeah, hopefully by next week, the majority of the back catalogue will be up there. So yeah, if YouTube is your avenue, there you go. Um, once again, if you're listening to this on uh, iTunes, then please hit the subscribe button, give us a little rate, give us a little review. 
helps massively. Um, for next week, I'm hoping to be joined by singer-songwriter Lizzie Farrell, uh, who I'm going to be seeing at the Joiners tonight when she supports Seaway. Uh, so hopefully going to have a little chat with her if all goes well. Um, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to uh, leave you to it and say thank you for joining me on the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>